The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. I am Josh Dunn. I'm joined by Anshu Khanna. Anshu, the MLB All-Star Game is behind us, my friend. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, this is probably the slowest sports week on the calendar. Would oh, you yeah. agree with that? Oh, it's brutal. Yeah. I can't even brutal. set my fantasy lineup. I'm like trying to think of like, I can't do anything. There's nothing I can do. I, all I can do is watch the celebrity all-star game or cele- <laughs> the celebrity softball game and watch J.R. Smith Big take Daddy his shirt Yankee. off. Yeah, Daddy Yankee's <laughs> oh, pitching, <laughs> pitching a shutout inning. I just, I don't know what to do. Oh my God, that was... Dude, all I took away from that was that the Miz is like the world's biggest douche. I'm sorry, I, I oh huge. Just, I mean, he's a professional wrestler. He's a douche by trade. <laughs> That's right. I was. It was amazing. That was that. I, I did like the Cleveland versus the world aspect. Uh, that was sort of creative, and it was fun seeing like Lofton and Tommy and oh, Brock yeah. and all those guys. But yeah, overall, it's it's just a joke. You see, Hafner just completely missed that fly ball. Did he? No, yeah, I, I saw Ryan Howard swing and miss in the softball announcer game. was like, that's why he was a DH for his whole career. <laughs> oh, savage. Pretty great. Nice. So uh, the yeah. All-Star game, like we said, is behind us. It was a closer one than we have seen in years past, but the AL still does end up pulling it off. They went at 4-3. to three. Uh, the, the I guess the game-winning hit ended up being the Joey Gallo home run. Uh, Shane Bieber ends up winning the MVP, having three strikeouts in one inning. Aren't you anything you see out of this game uh, that kind of caught your eye? A lot of, not a lot of offense. The pitching was great. Obviously, there were some great arms and bats in this game. But uh, anything that caught your eye when you watched this All Star game? I know you were here for it. Yeah, I uh, I did watch it. Um, I I liked the mic'd up outfielders. There was an inning where Yelich and Bellinger were in left and right respectively, and they were both mic'd up, which was interesting because Yelich got like up like three or four balls during the inning, which was fun, but. Um, you know, from a on the field, like actual talent perspective, you know, it was uh, it's just really fun to watch like DeGrom against Trout. I mean, you may never see those two guys play against each other. It's it's sad to say because of, but because of the way baseball is, you know, you just don't really get those opportunities too often. So watching that was cool. I thought the the nod to Skaggs was nice from Trout and Tommy Lasella with wearing the 45s. Um, I, I thought that, you know, Generally speaking, like the pitching was pretty impressive to me, given, you know, the fact that the balls are juiced and, you know, all the launch angle stuff that we've heard all about the last few years, uh, you know, to have a four, three game with how amazing these young hitters are, uh, you know, is, is pretty, pretty impressive. So I thought that that was fun and overall, you know, just blown away with Luis Castillo and Shane Bieber and ultimately Bieber is the one who, who wins the MVP deservedly at his own field. Yeah, the home runs in the game were hit by Gallo, like I mentioned, and Charlie Black, Charlie Blackman and Pete Alonzo. 
uh, also had – did he have two in this game, or was it just the one, Pete Alonzo? I don't think he – he didn't hit a home run. He had a single. Oh, uh, sorry, he had an RBI. Run. My bad. Two, yeah, two, two RBIs. RBIs. Yeah. That was what it was. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you can see that I didn't watch the game and don't know how to read a stat sheet. Uh, but but <laughs> speaking of Pete Alonzo, while we're on that topic, Pete Alonzo ends up winning the home run derby. Obviously, that was a day ago now. But I think probably the most entertaining home, home run derby I've ever watched, at least in recent years, uh, you know, highlighted by that, that triple overtime between Vlad Jr. and Jock Peterson. It looked like Jock was going to pull it off. Uh, and, and then Vlad had that crazy, uh, I think it was the three-pitch round where he – hit two out of three out, and uh, Jock just popped one up. But, I, 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 Dan, I know our friend Dan Bauer. I was hoping to hear his thoughts on this. Uh, he can't join us, but uh, he was there, and he said it was one of the most electric atmospheres he's ever been at at a sporting event. Uh, he doesn't like to exaggerate at all, so I assume he's accurate there. Um, but but watching it as a, as a baseball fan and a baseball purist like you are, aren't you, uh, what did you think of the Home Run Derby overall? I thought it was awesome. I mean – Definitely the coming out party for Vlad Jr. to make his own name, step out of his dad's shadow a little bit, even though he swings exactly like him. Um, you know, it just that violent right-handed swing. But I, I I thought it was great. And I think the best part about it was all those guys are so young. Like, I mean, the majority of them are not household names to the extent that any baseball player's name is a household name. I mean, who's the biggest star that was in it? I mean, maybe Bragman, I guess. Like, I, I mean, you didn't have a ton of talent or a ton of like older established talent. You didn't have the Trouts and Stantons and judges and, you know, the guys that we've come to know, not even the gallows and that type. So um, I thought it was really cool and a really great opportunity for the young guys to come out. I think the NBA could take a page out of this as far as, you know, highlighting and showcasing your best players, your best young players. And, and now everyone knows who Vlad Jr. is and probably, Many people outside of New York know who Pete Alonso is, which is pretty cool. Even Jock Peterson knew an extent. So uh, I thought that that part of it was really, really cool. And those guys are all super talented. Yeah, it was it was definitely fun to watch. I think Pete Alonso is now going to be one of those household names. I think Vlad Jr. has the name to his credit, so people kind of knew sure. who he was coming up a little bit more. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it was definitely fun to watch. Uh, you mentioned you know, Yes, absolutely. I think he could be next. Um, yeah. you know, you know, uh, we saw the futures game a couple days ago, a couple of our white Sox were in that as well. So, or at least their farm system, I should say. Uh, so yeah, it, it, I think that, uh, you know, I wish that the all-star game landed on a weekend. I think, I think it was more fun. I, I think they did that for a long time. And for the past few years, they have not, it's been like a Monday, Tuesday or uh, sometime during the week. I think that takes away, you know, a, a lot less people probably are going to be watching it during that time, but uh, this one was definitely fun. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, we had a lot of good baseball, a lot of talent on the field, but, you know, we also had some of the off-the-field things like the Verlander, uh, you know, juice balls that you kind of alluded to. Uh, he came out and said that he's 100% certain that they are, and it sounded like a lot of the players that, that were asked the question weren't necessarily uh, disagreeing, and baseball uh, the commissioner came out and said, you know, he doesn't necessarily disagree, but that if it if it is happening, the league has nothing to do with it. So it's all over the place. Uh, you know, if nothing else, the offense has probably been more fun to watch. So uh, why not just let it be? Uh, that's my thought. Uh, but we, oh, we, yeah. we do want to talk basketball. I think that the, the common theme here lately has been that uh, people are on the move. And there's been a lot of movement in the NBA, especially with a lot of the 
big names that have been out there that were free agents this offseason. We did kind of dig into the bigger ones like Kawhi and Kevin Durant and Kyrie and Jimmy Butler on uh, the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. So feel free to check that out. Uh, we definitely went a little longer there. But uh, we did want to touch on some of those moves, but as well as some of the, the other moves that maybe went a little bit more under the radar uh, when we look at free agency on you. So what do you say we take a look at some of what happened uh, here in the last week and a half or so since we last recorded? Yeah, let's do it. So let, let's talk about the Lakers. And the Lakers, obviously, we talked Anthony Davis. That move kind of happened prior to free agency. But I'd like to hear your thoughts on some of the pieces that they add around Anthony Davis and LeBron because, obviously, they did not end up getting Kawhi Leonard, who went to the other L.A. team. Uh, so they had to, to take the money that they were hoping to use on Kawhi and kind of spend it on some of the free agents that they had their eyes set on. Uh, so they end up getting Boogie Cousins. Uh, they they also get Danny Green to a two-year $30 million deal who just got done winning a championship in Toronto, uh, and they re-sign um, Rajon Rondo and some other pieces. What do you think about what the Lakers are trying to do now to kind of keep pace with the Clippers? Yeah, I thought that, you know, basically they're obviously waiting out Kawhi Leonard, and if this was a purposeful stroke by Kawhi, he's even more of a genius than, you know, any of us thought and you know, I've already I've already been surprised by his manipulative abilities to get to engineer this move to get Paul George out to the Clippers. But um, you know, basically the Lakers were taken along for several days and that left them with Danny Green essentially two years, thirty million. Fifteen million a year for a thirty one, thirty two year old Danny Green seems excessive to me. I think he's a an ideal fit with James and Davis, but I mean that's it's not great overall. You you go and now you're stuck with Rondo. You don't have the opportunity to go after Patrick Beverly um, or any of the other point guards. And there were a ton on the market at the beginning of all this. So, you know, now you're left with probably a starting lineup of, even though LeBron is going to be, you know, the point forward, you're probably looking at what Rondo, Green, LeBron, Anthony Davis and Cousins probably. And I mean, Kuzma. that's pretty good. Kuzma, I mean, Kuzma's off the bench. He's your de facto six man. He's probably closing out games for you. And then you've got KCP's back. Um, Quinn Cook, they signed from Golden State. Or I, I, hate, I hate their roster. I, 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 I hate to say it. I agree. I mean, JaVale's pretty good off the bench, but Alex Caruso, they re signed to. I don't like this Lakers roster as presently comprised. I'm sure there are other pieces. Maybe they get Iguodala. Maybe they get, you know, I doubt they get Corver, but, you know, someone like that. They need a real, they need like a legit like seventh or sixth player right now because I I think that, you know, I think it's foolish to think that LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to be playing all season too, right? And I just, I just really don't like the way this roster looks. It feels like it's a piece away from being like a legit title contender, like a really legit title contender. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just not really buying them, especially when you compare them to what the Clippers did. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be tough for them to keep pace. And you mentioned kind of the, the load management with LeBron and AD. I mean, these are guys who both had big injuries last year, missed significant time. And, you know, obviously a lot of the Pelicans holding Anthony Davis back to try to keep his value intact uh, was part of the plan there. But but he, he was significantly injured for some of that season as well. So uh, it'll be interesting to see because they're definitely not done. They're definitely going to continue to sign players and try to kind of fill those gaps. Um, what about Brooklyn? Obviously, we talked about Kyrie. We talked about Kevin Durant. Uh, some other movement there. They signed DeAndre Jordan as well to a four-year, $40 million contract. 
Uh, they lose Rondé yeah. Hollis Jefferson. Uh, it sounds like, you know, Dinwiddie could potentially be a guy on the move after this year, depending on what happens with Kyrie. They still have Karis LeVert. What do you think about Brooklyn and how they rounded out that roster around Durant and Kyrie? Obviously, Durant missing likely the entire season. Yeah, I mean, I, this season's kind of a wash, so I think that you want to wa- look at that roster and think, all right, let's see what we've got around who can play with Kyrie, who can play well with Kyrie, and, and you know, hypothetically, if and when Durant comes back, who could potentially fit with him? And so, yeah, Dinwiddie's probably gone. Um, you know, you're looking at Joe Harris, obviously still there, and, you know, Karis LeVert, how does he look? I, mostly it's basically the same thing. I mean, they're basically banking, and this is what Kevin Durant essentially has said through the media, that they're looking at, you know, Kenny Atkinson and, and – Bobby Marks and the way that they've assembled this team, and they're trusting the infrastructure of the group to build around them. They do sign uh, Wilson Chandler to a bigger deal, which I thought was sort of interesting. He's kind of just a guy in my mind, but, you know, veteran presence that, you know, you can toss in there. I, I, I don't really like what they've done, to be honest, but I also didn't really like their roster last year. If you had asked me, I would have guessed they'd have a top three to five pick, but, you know, they surprised me and everyone else and you know Jared Allen's a good young player that'll be interesting to see how he evolved and how he plays next to Kyrie I think if this team makes the playoffs if they're above a seven or six seed or they're around there I think that's probably a good sign for Durant heading into the 2020-2021 season but overall I'm not a huge fan of what they've got around those two guys. Got to hear your thoughts on the other team there in New York City, and that's the New York Knicks. Obviously, they, they miss out on just about everybody, and then they sign a bunch of people to contracts worth way more than the player. Uh, Julius Randle, the one who highlights that, I think he got a $63 million three-year deal uh, to go to the mm-hmm. Knicks, and then they add just a bunch of mediocre, middling talent guys uh, to a team that I don't even know what to make of the Knicks. I mean, obviously, they've got – a couple pieces that they add with Kevin Knox last year and then R.J. Barrett this year. But as far as the veterans that they sign, what do you make of what they did here in free agency? Uh, Alfred God, Payton I, was a guy that they get for $16 million. Uh, Wayne Ellington for $60 million. Yeah, your boy Taj Gibson. Uh, Reggie Bullock they pull from the Lakers for $21 million. Bobby Portis Wayne gets Ellington. $31 million. It's just, I like, what are they doing? I mean, I, I think that all they're doing is tanking for two years. They're they're going to look at, you know, they've got big salaries to match if someone does get, you know, and I, that's why I throw out the Knicks as a possibility for Russell Westbrook because they have the ability, maybe not now, but potentially in February, February if they still have him um, or down the line, or if anyone else gets disgruntled and does want to go to New York, the Knicks do have the salaries to match. I don't know if they're good salaries, but they're salaries. And so, you know, I, I mean, you look at this team, I completely agree with you. And I don't even really like their young players that much. I mean, I I do not like Dennis Smith Jr. at all. And then, you know, you've got I, – I, I do like Knox. I, I think that, you know, Mitchell Robinson, there could be something there. He was incredibly efficient when he did play last season. Um, but, you know, the rest of the roster is kind of a disaster. It, it I mean, R.J. Barrett should shoot like 20 shots a game for this team. And he could get in some really bad habits with David Fisdale, but – um, you know, it's, it's, it's a disaster. Julius Randle is going to put up a ton of shots. This team is angling for the number one pick next year. Um, there's no doubt about it with the way that their roster is currently constructed. They're probably a bottom three team. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're crazy bad, but all those deals generally are going to be expiring by 2021. And the next are hoping at that point to take another bite at the apple, so <laughs> to speak, to, to, 
to, you know, shoot for the moon again. I don't know that they'll be able to land anyone though because of James Dolan. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, this is this is what they've been positioning themselves for is this offseason particularly thought they were going to get Kyrie and, and Durant. They get neither. They get nothing. Uh, I mean, yeah. Julius Randle's their big offseason acquisition, and he, he's you know a good player, but <laughs> he's not going to sell tickets. So hopefully they can I mean, get, uh, get. I don't know. I mean, I think the Knicks are just they're the laughing stock of the NBA when you know they're one of the more storied franchises in the league. They and, and beyond that, you're right. But you know, in even as of like May, I think everyone thought they were getting Durant and Kyrie. Like everyone. I mean. Durant was looking at homes in New York and all this stuff was under the radar and things happen quickly in this NBA. I mean, the Warriors were the assumed champions and all that and, and things just pivoted so quickly. And now the Knicks, like you said, are left holding, you know, themselves essentially and that's it. And so like they're, they're a disaster. You're right. They're the laughing stock. I, I thought that Boston pivoted really well when they could have been the laughing stock and getting Campbell Walker. And so, you know, that I, that leaves the Knicks, and uh, aside from the Bulls, those are probably the two worst teams right there. Let's let's go to the, the, the stay with the Warriors. You mentioned them. Let's talk about the two title teams and what they did. I mean, obviously, both taking a big step backwards. The Warriors lose Kevin Durant uh, in order to combat that. They they bring in D'Angelo Russell, who then signs a four year, hundred and seventeen million dollar contract after the sign and trade. Um, you know, really. Brooklyn doesn't acquire much in that deal, but obviously that's not the the goal there. The Warriors also send Andre Iguodala out of Golden State as part of this deal. So aside from that, they've added a few smaller pieces as well. Uh, what do you think of what the Warriors have done here this offseason with Kevin Durant opting to leave and them not having Klay Thompson for the majority of next season, it looks like? Yeah, it feels like they've recognized this is sort of uh... – a red shirt season in some ways. I mean, the fact that they cut Sean Livingston and they trade, basically give away Andre Iguodala. I mean, that, that tells also me Jordan that Bell and Quinn cook too. Is Jordan Bell gone? I thought yeah, that's signed with the Timberwolves. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I missed that one. That's surprising. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, I, I don't blame them for Quinn cook. I don't like him at all. I, I think that he's just a total chucker, but uh, you know, they, it, it's odd because not only are the guys that they're shipping kind of like old staples, but the guys that they brought in, I'm a little dubious of. I mean, you, you look at D'Angelo Russell for the full max that they must think that they are going to prop him up in a big way. Or, you know, maybe they think that he could end up being a real asset to them. But I just don't see how that all fits together um, when Clay comes back. So I, that, that one doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Obviously, they're, they're going to with him he's basically said as much if, if you know clay comes back as he should and then i i don't know like collie stein is he a center for today's game i like collie stein but i don't think that he really fits when i think of the warriors he is like not a warrior at all to me in terms of the way that they run up and down and um you know especially without durant so i think that this i this feels like a red shirt season like a Let's build up the trade stock of a couple random pieces and see what we've got. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I, it seems like a concession to me. Does it feel that way to you? I, I think so. I mean, they, they added a few other small pieces. Alec Burks ends up agreeing to a one-year deal after he had yeah. already signed with uh, Oklahoma City. They gave him an opportunity to, to reconsider after they trade Paul George. He decides to 
to take advantage of that and ends up going to Golden State. Um, but they really don't get much else. They re-signed Kevon Looney, um, but they, they just they didn't really make any significant moves aside from the D'Angelo Russell one, which I agree with you. I think that one was, you know, a little questionable. I just don't I don't see the, the basketball fit with, like you mentioned, the other guards that they have, obviously two of the best in the league when healthy. So maybe they're just – from what I've read, though, they were just positioning so that they didn't get nothing out of the, the Kevin Durant situation. Sure. Uh, you know, and they yep. hope to trade him. But what what is D'Angelo Russell's trade value on a max deal when he really has one year to his credit of being an all-star caliber talent? You know, you think about the Lakers. They didn't even want him after drafting him second or third overall, whatever they drafted him in the lottery. So – I don't know. I, I think the Warriors are probably going to be a six, seven type of seed team next year. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think they're going to be really a threat. Uh, which you know, uh, we'll see. I mean, they're they're a team that doesn't want to not be in the spotlight, so I'm sure they'll try to make some moves to stay relevant if they if they think they they can. Um, but I don't know. And, and you look at the other side, and the Raptors who just win it all, and now they're left with everything but Kawhi. They lose Danny Green as well. Uh, they don't. They don't really bring a lot back uh, as far as signings themselves. So, where do the Raptors go from here? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you could easily see both these teams as six or seven seeds, and you know, because of that, they would have to go into the playoffs as road dogs. And that's for the for the Warriors. At least you bring back Clay Thompson, and you know, you're the champs, or you know, not champs, obviously, but. You've had some success in the playoffs, but the Raptors aren't going in. You know, Kawhi's not walking back through that door. So um, it feels to me like a season, kind of, again, like a punt season for them. Um, and I think that's partially why they didn't trade for or make a, a concerted effort to trade for Westbrook initially. Uh, you know, they're basically Lowry's got, what, two years left on his deal. You wonder, you got to wonder if Lowry becomes a, a trade option for them because, this is going to be a team that is built around Pascal Siakam and whatever else they can get. And, um, you know, OG and Anobi potentially, you know, Marcus Hall's got one year left. He'll be gone. I think that this is just a retool year. They're not bad enough to miss the playoffs and tank outright. So, yeah, I mean, the, the Raptors are in worse straits, but they've got the ring from last year. So I think it's all kind of like they're cool with the victory lap in my mind. Of the teams kind of not in the spotlight, whether it be from the big additions that they made in free agency or, uh, you know, just maybe not being one of those teams that become a household name over the past few years, the Indiana Pacers come to mind, the Utah Jazz come to mind. What do you think of some of those teams that maybe are three, four, five, six seeds in the East or West respectively that, you know, had a little bit more of a quiet offseason? I mean, you look at Indiana, they, they lose Bogdanovich and Theo or excuse me, um, your, the, who's your boy that, that signed with your uh, – Thaddeus, I'm sorry, Thaddeus Young. Thaddeus, so they yeah. So they yep, lose a couple yep. guys, but they bring in Brogdon, and they are going to get Victor Oladipo back. So the Pacers are a little interesting to me. Utah Jazz add Mike Conley via trade and Bojan Bogdanovic, who we just mentioned with the Pacers. So any of those types of teams stand out as uh, having a, a solid offseason, even in the wake of all of these stars on the move? Yeah, I mean, I think that a team that kind of gets forgotten in all this is – the Pelicans. I absolutely love that they got JJ Redick onto that team. I think that when you look at their roster from one to like sixteen, they're pretty legitimate. Like they've they've got a, a good looking group of players to me. I I don't think that they're going to compete for a title or anything, but they're I think they're going to be one of the most fun teams to watch and, and a massively improved team. Um, I know you like Portland. 
And so I'll give them the nod here as well. Uh, made some really interesting moves. They've built themselves up with Whiteside to potentially trade Whiteside when, if and when Nurkic gets back, or they could trade Nurkic, or they could just keep both and see what happens in the playoffs. I mean, they're they're really interestingly positioned. They do give away Harkless, but they add Kent Bazemore, who is a, is a pretty underrated player. I, I think that Portland is is coming out of this whole thing looking pretty good, and and everyone seems to love what Utah did. I'm a little you know, less bullish on them, I would say, but they're, I think that they're still in a pretty good spot. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's, there's some good, good stuff out there, but I like New Orleans a lot. I like that they, all those guys they got from the Lakers plus Reddick plus, you know, their draft. I, I just, I really enjoy what they've, what they're putting together there in New Orleans. Yeah, they definitely have a good young core. I, real quick, before we, we call it, I just wanted to hear about what, what you thought the Sixers did losing Jimmy Butler they bring in um, a couple pieces. Obviously, they get Horford, Horford. from the, from, uh, from the Celtics. They get Josh Richardson from Miami. Uh, I think those are two really solid pieces. And then they are able to re-sign Tobias Harris to a max. And it looks like he could potentially, you know, really be uh, slotted in there at the number three. Move Horford to the four. Have him beat at the five. Do you think they get better? Stay about the same, or do you think they regress a little bit losing Jimmy Butler? Great question. Um, I think that they'll probably regress a little bit. Uh, I think that, you know, I just, I, I, I don't really feel like this team, I, on paper, they look good and they definitely fit together better than when they had Butler. Cause that was just kind of an odd mix of players, but I'm just not really, I get why they're the favorites, but I just don't see them doing it. Like who's shooting for them. Whoever shoots for them. I mean, Tobias Harris can hit threes occasionally fine. But he's not like, you know, they don't have the spot-up guy. They need to sign Corver. I feel like that's, like, just the perfect fit to bring him back there. And, you know, the rest of it, you know, they trade Shamit for essentially to get Toby to buy Ferris, and, and that's fine, but they lose Boban as well. Like, I, I mean, I just I, – I think that that team is just odd to me. I feel like, you know, with Embiid and Simmons, they're going to get – they're banged up and – all the time and Horford's really you know he's a great fit chemistry wise but how is he going to play against you know the the big shots in the east and and potentially in the finals the only reason they might win the east in my mind is just you know attrition essentially and and the fact that all these teams in the east have lost major pieces when you go right down the line Brogdon leaves Milwaukee you know obviously Kyrie and Horford leave Boston and you know, and the rest of it is all kind of collapsed. So th- that's really it. And so from that perspective, they might survive. But I, I actually, I think the Bucks are the best team in the East. And I, I think that they're better constructed top to bottom. Obviously, Kawhi leaving Toronto helps as well. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think that, I think the Sixers are clearly the number two to me in that conference. Even with losing Brogdon? Yeah, you look, I, I know, I get it. I get why Brogdon makes a huge difference to them, but like I, I think that Bledsoe being there, and I think that you know they have Robin Lopez. They they add you know uh, who is it for West Matthews comes in there. I think that they'll add and eventually add another shooting slash ball handling point guard to back up Eric Bledsoe. I mean that team is unfortunately really heavily pivoted upon Eric Bledsoe right now in the playoffs, which I don't love that. What about them with Kyle Lowry? 
is my question. Do you think that that would make some sense? I feel like he would slot in perfectly there uh, uh, for two years. I kind of like what they have at point guard. I really do. You I like mean, they've Bledsoe? got Eric Bledsoe. They've got George Hill off the bench. I I know I like George Hill, and not a lot of people do. But George Hill stepped up in a big way for them at a lot of points in the playoffs. And I, I, they signed him to a three-year deal. Uh, so they keep a lot of their pieces. I don't – I mean, Kyle they Lowry – I, I Yeah, I, I like him too. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a – a superstar, but he he's a very formidable backup point guard. Uh, I just don't know that Kyle Lowry is the piece they need. I think they could use another shooter. Um, you know, you mentioned Kyle Korver to Philly. I think Kyle Korver would be a great fit in Milwaukee. Um, oh yeah, there's a, there, there's a lot of you know still decent decent names out there that I think they could add for the veteran minimum or around it, mid level exception, whatever. Um, and I think they will. I think they're going to need to add one more piece. But they did do a good job after losing Brogdon to get – you know, he got, a, I think, a overpaid in a big way. Um, and and the Pacers had to trade a first-rounder for him, which yeah. I thought was surprising. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that's – I think they did the right thing by not trying to match that deal. Especially what did you be- think about – Especially because they got oh. Middleton – even though they had yeah. to pay him the the max, I mean he's an all star. He could he could have gotten that somewhere else. I think they did the right thing by keeping Middleton and letting Brogdon walk. But sorry to cut you off. No, that's exactly what I was going to ask. What did you think of the of the Middleton deal? I feel like it's it's the deal they had to do, but right. not necessarily the one that anyone would want to do necessarily. Right, it, it's an overpayment. I mean it's it's Jimmy Butler when he got his first max. It's uh, with uh, Otto Porter when he got his max in Washington. Like, there's a lot of players that didn't deserve a max. I actually think if we're going to, you know, say there's probably 10 to 15 players in the last few years that that got a max that shouldn't have, and Chris Middleton is better than. So I think even though it it is an overpayment, he was an all-star last year. Giannis wants him there. He loves playing with the guy, so I'm sure he vouched for it. You know, I I think they did the right thing by – signing him to the max, knowing that they were going to lose Brogdon and they couldn't pay him both. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they could have, but the ownership, I mean, if you sign Brogdon, it's all over for you. Like you're, this is your team for the Giannis era for and the he's next not that four type years. Of player, though. Brogdon's I good, I, but I don't think he's that good. I mean, I know he won rookie of the year, but I don't think Brogdon's a superstar. I don't think he's an all-star no. at any point. no. No, I mean, I think he's a lot like the guy they re-signed, just a younger version of George Hill. Like, I think that there's a lot of, you know, he's a good shooter. He's a really good floor kind of general, um, good defensive player. But he's also got bad team. He's already got plantar fasciitis. That's not what you want out of a point guard. And, you know, he was an old point guard, obviously, coming from EVA. So, um, or an old rookie, I should say. So that's, Look, I, I think that they're I think they're an okay spot. I, I don't necessarily think that they're better than last year, but they're but because of the, again because of the attrition all across the, the East, you know. And we talked about Westbrook on the other show. I mean, that, like Westbrook could change the way this all looks and feels pretty quickly. But for the Bucks, I I do think that they're still because of the continuity, they're they're a better team right now than the Sixers in my mind. I agree. I, I think that the East is going to be fun, though. I mean, he, he, we talked about Boston a lot on the other show as well. Uh, oh, yeah. you know, with their addition of Kemba Walker, they lose Al Horford. Um, but those young, I think those young players are going to have an opportunity to flourish without Kyrie Irving being there. Uh, I think he was really For a detriment sure. to that team. And I think we're really going to see what Jalen Brown, uh, Jason Tatum, or, or, or really have, or what their really what their real ceiling could potentially be. So I think that's exciting yeah. for Boston fans. 
I agree. I think Boston's going to be better this year. I, I really like the way that they look. I think that there's there's a lot to the idea of having too many cooks in the kitchen and getting rid of Rozier and and Kyrie. And you know, obviously, you'd like to keep Horford, but like you said, I mean, you keep now you open up room for Smart and Brown, and you know, you get to decide if Brown is worth. You know, we just talked about who's worth the max. I mean, Jalen Brown's a free agent next year. That's that's a big decision for them. That's a pivotal decision for the, uh, for the Celtics. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how that all looks. And I have a feeling it's going to look really good a year removed from injury. Gordon Hayward. I, I like what Boston's got. Yeah. They, uh, they add Ennis Cantor as well, who was pretty productive there uh, when he got healthy, uh, for Portland yeah. at the end of last year. And, it was really productive for New York until they stopped playing him for whatever reason. I think they had a falling out with the coaching staff, whatever whatever it was. But, uh, yeah, I think Boston's interesting. Um, we'll, we'll see. But the East has definitely got uh, got kind of an open door there if if Milwaukee does, you know, have a little bit of regression losing Brogdon. But I, mm-hmm. I still think they're the, the powerhouse in the East and that Philly's right there with them. And, and Boston, I think, is going to surprise some people staying as relevant as they, they probably will. But again, we we all every time we talk basketball, whether it's free agency, whether it's playoff basketball, you and I, my friend, we always tend to go a little long. So I think we skip oh by the ways for this show and uh, just let our listeners get to the rest of their week and uh, see them see them on next week's show. What do you say? I think that's a very very solid call on your part. All right. Well, that'll do it then for on Shukana. I am Josh Dunn. Talked a lot of basketball with you guys here on the leftovers. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>